This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, July 6, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And starting a new week, we just finished a holiday shortened week. I hope everyone had a fun and safe 4th of July. And markets were pretty upbeat last week, and we started again on the same tone today. And we're threatening a breakout in the market. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch to see if we we confirm uh, by the end of the week. And, you know, we are now in the summer, right? We just passed 4th of July. Uh, I know it's been a weird year, a crazy year. There's civil unrest. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. And you can call it phase or uh, wave one or wave two. But we know that cases are increasing, but how are governments going to react? Are we going to shut down again? I don't think so. How much will it impact the average person's activity level, travel schedule, daily habits? Clearly for the younger generation, it looks like they're trying to get back to normal and aren't worried too much about the virus, whereas the older generation, maybe a different story. It's a microcosm of uh, the report that I talked about last week from Bank of America, which is saying 2020s are going to be about the millennials, and the millennials are the ones out and moving, catching coronavirus, COVID-19, and you know, for the most part, kicking it. And that's good. It's a good thing to hear. Now, we're also entering election season. Kanye, I guess, is running for president. We'll see if, how serious he is about that. And we're five, six weeks away, I believe. What's the first one? Is it the Democratic Convention? I believe so. And then a couple weeks after that, the Republican Convention. Then we start debates, right? So it's going gonna, it's gonna to come up quickly. And there's going to be a lot of... Cross currents. There are a lot of cross currents in the market today. Uh, the PPP loan disbursement numbers and uh, companies came out today. So you're starting to see a little bit of that transparency that was supposed to happen. Probably should have happened sooner, but at least we're getting it now. And it'll be interesting to see how the public reacts. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of people with a lot of money that took a lot of, PP money, including Kanye, apparently. So it'll be interesting to see what the public backlash is to that. Right? You have civil unrest, a lot of wealthy people collecting PPP money, which were quote unquote loans that turned into grants, which is free money. How does that go over with the average person? And how does that affect the next stimulus package? And I think that will be very, very important. The current stimulus package that was passed back in March dwarfed all of the financial crisis. But it was kind of thrown out there willy-nilly, right? Was not efficient, 
It was, and it was, there was a lot of lobbyists involved, let's just say that. So how is that, how, how much public backlash will there be because of how lax the oversight was before, and how does that change the money coming down the pipe here with this next bill? How much is it focused on individuals as opposed to companies? How long can companies last with the without this money, with higher operating costs from protecting from COVID, lower demand for the most part, certain businesses definitely more. So there's a lot of cross currents here. And then going into the election, how will the odds ebb and flow? Because we know they will, right? And how much does that does affect the market? Where What is the market price in if say Biden continues to lead and the expectation is that and what will the effect be on tax rates but also what will the effect be on spending out of government so in this environment we we, we see the effects of stimulus over the past three or four months so we know that stimulus could be a big big factor in where the economy goes in the near term, and even the markets go in the near term, right? If the money flows to those with money, their marginal propensity to save is very high, right? If you have a lot of money and you're getting more money, what are you going to do with that more money, especially in times like this? You're not going to go spend it. You don't need to. You're getting by just fine. Where's that money going to go? Probably into the markets. Now, if it goes to individuals, they're going to suspend, uh, spend to sustain, them, sustain themselves. That would probably be better for the underlying economy, maybe not quite as much for the stock market. So all of these cross-currents are important to take into account. You know, my YouTube video on Friday, I talked about how you know, we're kind of in a neutral stance now. We're back above the uptrend lines on the NYSE. You have divergences between most other sectors besides tech. Tech is really keeping the market up. And that's pretty much it. If you look at small caps, industrials, transportation, financials, consumer staples, almost every other sector is making lower highs from last month. So which way does it resolve? Do those industries start to catch up to tech or vice versa? These are all questions that you know we're going to touch on throughout the show, throughout future shows, and hopefully navigate this back half of the year well. You're likely to see volatility in a similar fashion as the first half. And you need to be prepared for it. So that's why you are here. I'm Justin Klein. And here on Invest Talk and at my company, KPP Financial, we're based in Irvine, California. We operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. And Steve and I are different from other investment advisors. Why? Because we are dedicated to this unbiased guidance. And we practice parallel investing, meaning our investments ride right alongside our clients. So that's who we are. 
Well, now that I've set things up, I'm ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, I know since the pandemic, we have shifted to all online, video chat, telephone portfolio reviews. So if you want to set up a free time with myself or Steve, just head over to investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. Now, my main talking point touches on the $13 million gig worker, how that's become 41% of all unemployment benefits. It's something not a lot of people aren't talking about. They're only focused on the new jobless claims or continuous jobless claims, but this is a big area that was part of the CARES Act. And it covers those who don't have a traditional nine to five W-2 job. And there's now 13 million people, around 13 million, taking unemployment benefits from this program, and which is 41% of all unemployment benefits. And we're going to touch on what that means, both today and going forward, and for the next stimulus bill. I also have some other things on my mind, talk about oil, what the current state of the oil market is. Then IRA myths, what are some IRA myths that uh, need to be debunked? And then lastly, what questions do you need to ask an advisor before you jump aboard? We're going to touch on that as well. Take a quick look at the market today. We had a modest up day, kind of faded throughout most of the, the day, but then we rallied into the close. Uh, you definitely had the growth side of the market continuing to outperform overall. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. The summer is well underway. Fourth of July is gone. And no doubt people across the country want to get back to some sense of normalcy. Want to get country back into high gear, but in a safe way. And how can you be prepared be better prepared for market swings that are certainly likely to come in the near future? We should talk about this, and your participation is as important as ever. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Steve and Justin have recorded an all-new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download, and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. You can find it now for free at investtalk.com, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Search Invest Talk June Bonus Show. Let's go to Anne in Fremont. She's looking at the Bitcoin Trust GBTC. You looking to buy it or do you own it? Yeah. Uh, hi, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd like to buy and I want to know uh, what would be the right price to enter. Well, that's difficult. It has pulled back here, so it, it is near some support. I will say that you know this is this is Bitcoin. It's really all over the place uh, when it comes to price. It's very volatile. It fell. It's fallen twenty percent in what call it three and a half weeks. So you know you you have a decent pullback here. Uh, if you don't have a position, I think this is a good area to begin your position. But understand that. 
this is going to have big, big volatility and you have to be prepared for that. This could easily go from $10 right now to $5 in the span of a month. And if you aren't prepared for that, then don't buy it. Okay, so make sure you understand the risk that you're taking here. Now, I've said this before, I did take a small position, very, very small. My gold position's much, much higher. Uh, but the, you know, I think the, the binary potential outcome for Bitcoin uh, could mean it goes a lot, lot higher or a lot, lot lower, which to me, it's kind of like a, a long-term option on the potential for the crypto space. Let's go to Jay in Illinois, looking at MGIC, which is Magic Software Enterprise. Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, no problem. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? I've been looking at this for a few months now, and I was thinking of taking up a small position, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Right, this is an Israeli company. Right, our business application software and information technology consulting services, about a $561 million market cap. What do you know about the business? Okay, so I think two of the products that stuck out to me was its uh, factory and manufacturing insight software mm -hmm. and a couple of its integration platforms for enterprise and data analytics. And I guess that, that specific space is like, you know, there's a lot of players in that space and... I guess my standpoint or my uh, viewpoint on this was like it's maybe a smaller player and mm -hmm. it doesn't seem, you know, crazy high in terms of what it's priced at. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, enterprise value EBA is only 10, which is pretty modest. It's revenue growth is about, call it 20%. Earnings aren't going up quite as fast. So it's not a, a massive earn you know earner uh but it's it's growing and its uh profitability metrics are are solid they're not amazing but they're solid uh and i like that it's had consistently positive free cash flow over the past decade and they have been issuing some shares so definitely diluting shareholders a little bit there which i don't like um but overall it's relatively cheap so and i like the relative strength so i'm a fan of it M-G-I-C, Magic Software Enterprises. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And on Friday, we posted an all-new Best of Invest Talk program. It's a condensed podcast and ready for your free download at investtalk.com or on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Give me a call. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways and around it's called volatility and if you're a serious investor you'll have finance and investment questions for justin klein he's here now taking your calls live invest talk 888-99-CHART let's go to noel in napa looking to invest in utf which looks like is this an infrastructure fund? Yep. Looks like an infrastructure closed yeah, end yeah, fund. Yeah, it is. Yeah, just okay. wondering what you thought of it, Justin. Well, it's a closed end fund. It does have some leverage here, 28% leverage ratio, which is it's just decent. I mean, it's basically on margin. And that's how you're getting that 8% 
distribution rate. Let's take a look at its portfolio overall. Uh, do you own it or are you looking to buy it? Oh, I'm just looking at it as a potential. Yeah. So this is uh, this is invested in a lot of utility stocks. Right, Next Energy is one. America, there are a lot of REITs as well. Crown Castle, American Tower, Duke Energy. These are some of the top holdings here. Uh, Kinder Morgan, which is an MLP. So these are all companies that pay some sort of a dividend, and that is how you're getting that big yield is because you're you're using leverage and getting that dividend. And that's why this went from what $27 all the way down to 12 back in, you know, February to March is because of that leverage. So, if you have a redux of February to March because you go through widespread shutdowns or uh, maybe the stimulus package isn't big enough, it's hard to know what the next catalyst is going to be, but we know the economy is is rough, right? Um, so anything with leverage is going to have big, big volatility. And then how many of these companies are over levered and with their balance sheets? So to me, this is a very, very high risk play. Uh, but if you think there's going to be an infrastructure bill that will benefit a lot of these companies, right? Quote unquote infrastructure plays, then it's probably a good risk, risk versus reward because their balance sheets will be improved with a large-scale infrastructure play if you think they're the ones that are going to benefit. Now, I think there are ones that are more direct beneficiaries of the uh, of a potential infrastructure play. I think these are more indirect, uh, but that's one way you can play it. So if you're after the 8% yield, it's a very high-risk way to do it. But if the you're using the right calculated risk, it can do fairly well. Thanks for the call, Noah. Now, my main focus point today concerns a story. 13 million gig workers are getting 41% of unemployment benefits. And that's about 13 million. Uh, yeah, except 13 million are collecting what's called Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program. So, PUA, PUA, you might hear it uh, referred to as. And what this does is it covers self-employed, independent contractors, gig economy workers, those with limited recent work history and those looking for some part-time work, right? And this is important because so many workers now are part of this, right? Think of self-employed workers. Maybe they're doing hair. Uh, maybe they're makeup artists. Maybe they do, they run their own business in some way, especially in today's world where entrepreneurship, quote unquote, is a big part of the ethos of the country, especially young people want to start their own businesses, and many have. You know, the shark tank economy. But then you have your gig economy workers, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers. And it seems like these type of workers should now be covered under unemployment insurance. They weren't before. Before the recent stimulus program, and likely they, they should be covered. And as you see the headlines roll in of new unemployment claims, continuing unemployment claims, this does not include this PUA program, which now represents about 41% of total recipients nationwide, unemployment recipients nationwide. They're, they, they qualify for 36 weeks 
of unemployment through the end of the year. And they're also getting that $600 additional supplement per week through the end of this month. Now, what's interesting about this is that many businesses had furloughed normal workers, W-2 workers. And part of the PPP offered incentives to rehire those workers. So a lot of them went back to work. But these dynamics are different for these PUA recipients. Because they don't, their, their demand is based on the demand for Uber, demand for Lyft, which is still down dramatically. Hairdressers, some salons still have not opened. Many states haven't even reported their pool recipients as well. Florida, Georgia, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, West Virginia, they still have not reported. So, in fact, it's probably even higher than that 41%. So this is a big reason why the economy stayed relatively afloat. What happens to these workers? What happens if the $600 rolls off? Can they still pay their bills? Going to be a big factor going into the month of August. Now, the next invest talk, can good value be found in hard-hit real estate subsectors? Some experts say that malls, hotels, and healthcare subsectors are going to rebound. Could they be right? That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use. 
and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com, HackerOne.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 chart. Let's go to Cecil in New Jersey. Let's talk about earnings. Hi, Justin. How are you? I'm doing great. What can I do for you? Love the show. I have two questions. Uh, first is many times you and Steve have mentioned uh, about forward earnings. Mm-hmm. The question is, where do you find these estimates for forward earnings? And then the second question is uh, about valuing stocks. So what's the best way of valuing stocks, whether you know they are properly priced, overpriced, or underpriced so that we can buy them? Well, the first question's uh, in, uh, much easier than the second, and uh, we buy the data. We have various pieces of software that, that look forward. Uh, what we typically quote is the FactSet average analyst estimate for the year, and we also can see if the average analyst is upgrading its earnings or downgrading it. Uh, a lot of times we'll use Market Smith, which is from Investors Business Daily. It a, uses a good snapshot of everything that's going on with the business. So that's what we use, and that's uh, the data that they're, they're feeding through there. So uh, you can get in a lot of different ways. It depends on your broker. Your broker might have that as well, and probably should, especially in today's day and age when a lot of the big brokers have that and commissions are free. So uh, I would definitely check with them and their researching tools. Now, valuation is a fickle beast. And you're asking about really the holy grail, uh, to be honest with you. And in markets, you what you have to understand is that there are many factors that go into where companies are valued. A, a lot of it has to do with the discount rate in the marketplace. Uh, it's one of the reasons why you have growth stocks trading at such high multiples today. Uh, whereas your traditional industrials, uh, your quote-unquote boring stocks, trade at much lower valuations because of that discount rate. Because growth in the future is valued a lot today because it's discounted very little. So the prevailing discount rate in the marketplace has a big factor, is a big factor in valuations. So... You can use ratio metrics. PE is a typical ratio metric. There's We like enterprise value to EBITDA. That's a little bit more clean cut, transparent, less manipulable. Handles, allows for understanding debt levels a company is carrying in relation to other companies who may have lower debt levels, but same market cap. So... 
your question of how to value a stock is literally the never-ending question that will never be answered perfectly. But you can do your best by understanding the prevailing dynamics in the market, comparing one company to others within its industry as opposed to the market as a whole or other companies in other industries, and you need to adjust accordingly. So I hope that helped, Cecil. I know, uh, I know it's difficult, especially in this market. I mean, you look at certain companies that are just trading at, let me look at Nikola. It doesn't have any, and has never had any revenue, pretty much. And it's trading at $17 billion valuation. How do you come up with that? Your guess is as good as mine. In this market, there's a, there are a lot, and I'm talking hundreds of companies, that you know, the fundamentals are just divorced from reality. It's a narrative-driven market in a lot of ways. And so when, and when you have a Federal Reserve that is manipulating markets right at every turn, it's not really a free market anymore. This is a, we're in a manipulated market. Now, how do you operate in that? Well, so far it's been momentum and valuations don't matter. Now, we know in history when things free up, when markets have to discount accordingly and aren't, once again, manipulated, then valuations matter again. When will that happen? What is the end of the power of central bank? When will they allow markets to clear? When will they allow markets to operate? Hasn't happened for a while. They have a mandate to keep the economy moving at all costs. Whether that's crazy valuations, whether that's wealth disparity, whether that's cronyism in Washington, it doesn't matter to them. Is it a new politician coming to power that changes it? Is it public backlash that changes it? What changes it? When will valuations matter again? They don't today. So when you're investing, you have to understand the market that you're operating in. This is not a market where valuations matter. This is a market where central banks and central governments have planned market outcomes. It's an interesting case. It won't last forever. We know that. The laws of economic gravity will set in unless we go to some sort of socialist, centrally planned economy forever. I don't know if that's very American. I don't think Americans will go for that long term. But right now, what's the market we're in? You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Yes, the economy is 
reopening in phases, but you can't allow this pandemic or this current underlying economic environment to deter your retirement objectives. So you need to take steps now to optimize your strategy, your portfolio in light of the current market volatility. So I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. We want to help you. Whether you're a conservative investor, maybe you're edging closer to retirement, in retirement, maybe you're a young investor looking to be more aggressive. We have strategies that are designed to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom while managing the appropriate risk. So to get started with a no-cost portfolio review, please call or send us a message through investtalk.com. And now I'm here, ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. We're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. We have good news. Steve and Justin have recorded an all-new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download, and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. You still get unbiased answers, but the show moves along at a faster pace. You can find it now for free at investtalk.com, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Search Invest Talk June Bonus Show. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls. The Anytime Listener line is open, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Justin. Hey, Steve. Happy Fourth of July. My name is Bryce. I'm calling from Redmond, Washington, and I have a question about my current brokerage account that I have with my brother. We have a joint tenant account, and I was thinking of taking this money and rolling it over into a Roth IRA. We're each making our own personal contributions, and we have an account with TD Ameritrade, and we were trying to reach the second tier of portfolio management, which uh, is over $25,000. We're 24 and 21 years old, and so I'm not sure if we should just reach the 25000 second tier benchmark or just begin rolling this money over to a Roth IRA. If we reach the 25000 we would both start funding our own Roth accounts under our own personal names. So we just need some clarification and maybe some insight as to what you would do or any information that you'd be willing to give us. Thank you. Bye. Well, you should still be able to qualify for that 25000 if they're in separate accounts. I, I'm not sure exactly on that side of T, TD how that works, but I would try to get that money into a Roth IRA if you can, especially you're young, you're likely in a low tax bracket. So this is a good opportunity to get that money in and have it taxed. And then you want to pay tax again. You can still take out the contributions at any point. So I would... I would go with the side of getting as much money into that Roth IRA sooner rather than later. You'll eventually get that 25000 either way. So uh, go with the Roth right now. Now that dovetails nicely into what I want to talk about. There's some IRA contribution myths. Now the first one is a lot of people think you can't contribute after a certain age. Well, that used to be the case that if you were over 70 and a half, you couldn't. But Congress changed that when they passed the SECURE Act late last year. And this dropped the income limits for traditional 
IRA contributions and brought them in line with Roth IRA contributions. Now, you still have to have earned income. So it can't be Social Security income, can't be pension income or dividends from your portfolio or something like that. You need to actually be working and earning some sort of an income. Maybe you just drive Uber, Uber part-time to do it. But you can still contribute after the, the age of seven and a half as long as you have some of that earned income. Also, a lot of people think you can't contribute if you don't have in earned income at all. And that's not necessarily true if you are married. If you are a married couple and you're filing jointly, even if your spouse hasn't earned anything, you can make a contribution in their name. So maybe they're home taking care of the kids or whatever the other partner's doing, and maybe they're not earning any actual income, but you can make contributions in their name. Also, a lot of people think children can't make IRA contributions, and that's not true. As long as child or grandchild has a job, has some earned income, they can make an IRA contribution. doesn't even have to be their money. Someone else can make it for them, but they need to have some level of earned income. So if they work a part-time job in the summer or whatever, as much as they've earned, that's how much you can contribute up to obviously the max 6000 a year. Another myth, that you can't make a contribution if you earn too much. Now, IRAs do carry income limits, but you can make a contribution to an IRA and it just won't be tax deductible. You can make a non-tax deductible IRA contribution. Now, the, the tax implications in the future can make that more complex. If you want to do a Roth conversion, etc., that can be somewhat complex. So be aware of that as well. Also, a lot of people think Roth IRA contributions are always the best, and that's not necessarily true. Now, certainly you have more flexibility with a Roth IRA. You can withdraw your contributions at any time, like I said before, for any reason, and you won't be subject to an RMD later in life. But the key factor to keep in mind is always what's your tax rate today or when you put money into a Roth, whether it's a Roth conversion or just a straight up contribution versus what will be in retirement. If it's going to be higher today than it is in retirement, making maybe you're making a lot of money or, or whatever, you don't want to make that Roth, con- Roth contribution or conversion. So those are a few myths that I, Glad I could, had time to go over. Now let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question at 888 chart Hey, this is Kevin Breinholt from Washington. I had a question about GSX. That's GSX. I just wanted to see what you thought about the stock and think if you think I should hold it for long term. I've got a, a small position in it or if it's something I should uh, sell and take my profit. Thank you for the show. Love it. Uh, have a good day. Well, this is one of those Chinese companies that has been accused of fraud. Now, is it, is it real fraud? I don't know. I can't tell you. I haven't done quite that much research. But understand that 
there's a lot of fraud uh, in this uh, in this area, and this is a name that you know I would not be touching myself personally. It's just uh, I don't know if these numbers are correct. You have no idea. Carson Block, who's a big short seller, he accused them of fraud. And I can get into the details, but I don't remember them off the top of my head. But I just know that there's there's a lot of accusations flying around. And it's a Chinese company, and I've said this before. There is always some level of fraud in pretty much every Chinese company. It's just a matter of is it a little or a lot. And it seems like, according to Carson Block, there's a lot in this particular name. So no, I would not be playing with it. I don't care how much it's gone up over the past few weeks. I would definitely pass on it. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday. Let's help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Jay in New York. Wants to talk about diversification. Uh, yes. Good evening. How are you doing? Doing well. I help you with. Uh, I, I just, I'm doing great. Uh, I just wanted to know, revisit one one thing. Uh, in a portfolio that I hold, say, thirty to thirty five stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that too much, and number two, I wanted to know how many companies in of each individual sector. Uh, would be advisable. So say four in one sector, more, how does that go? I think 30 to 35 is fine. It's about right. Uh, The round where we typically have anywhere from 25 to 35 uh, in any one portfolio. And I would say 20, you shouldn't have any more than 20% in any one sector. Okay, 20% of your overall portfolio. So it's not about number of positions, it's total exposure to a particular sector. You know, for example, if you had, if you were overweight, you know, maybe 50% portfolio in financials right now, you would be in trouble, right? Because it's, it's lagging uh, so hard. So 20% is that for us, that number where you want to go much more than that. 20 or less is uh, the recommended. Okay, thank you much. Thanks for the call, Jay. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's touch on the oil market. Now, we've pushed back above $40 a barrel recently. But the big question is, will this be enough for the shale producers to get back to production and positive cash flow production? And for the most part, the answer is no. 
Now, we hit about 13 million barrels produced uh, near the start of this year from domestic producers, and that fell all the way to 10.5 million recently, bounced back up to 11. So you see a little bit of the sh- that shale production coming back online, but we're still down roughly 15% or so uh, from the highs of the year. But this will not prevent a wave of bankruptcies within the industry. Why? Because $40 is not enough to cover the debt loads that these companies have put on over the last decade. And there's going to be about $240 billion of debt maturing over the next five years in the North American oil and gas space, uh, pipeline operators, oil field service companies. And this likely means there'll be more bankruptcies on top of Whiting Petroleum and Chesapeake Energy, which is recent. And there's probably going to be a consolidation. So you're, you're going to see the big boys start to pick up some of these shale names that are maybe on the verge of bankruptcy or just buying them outright in bankruptcy. Think of all the assets that Chesapeake owns, that Whiting owns. Those are going to be picked over by the big boys who have better balance sheets, lower cost of production, etc. that aren't so levered to the shale space itself. Now, the number of drilling wells has fallen to 185 wells, which is the lowest level in more than a decade and a fraction of where we were early last year at around 850, almost 900. So we're at 185. Talking about an 80% drop roughly from its peak. And investment in the oil space has plummeted. Why? Because many of these companies know that OPEC needs higher prices. And as soon as they get higher prices, they're going to start to pump, most likely. So start to help their budget. Their budgets, Saudi Arabia, Russia, a lot of Middle East countries, they're they're in trouble. They need oil a lot higher for their budgets to balance. This is why I do think that a year, 18 months down the line, you're going to start to see oil pick up a lot more, but you're probably going to see some volatility in the medium term until the supply demand dynamics even out. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program, and I'll return tomorrow. In the meantime, please remember to download our new June Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast. It is free. You can get it right now. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. 
And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. 